0: Ready? Sing it, Judy. Hey, welcome to Go and other rye tales of the city.
1: I'm Judith Schoolman, but call me Judy. I'm Arlene Schulman. We're, We're not, related. not related. We're two journalists who've been around. I'm a former reporter with the New York Daily News and Reuters, and I've covered business and finance, and now I teach college journalism and English composition. I'm a journalist and photographer
0: who covered boxing and baseball, the New York City Police Department, and all sorts of people in between, wrote a few books. I produce and direct short documentary films focusing on New Yorkers. This is our first podcast. With Pastrami a go-go, we'll be taking a look at what we've lost or are about to lose here in New York City, something that's disappearing. Our topic could be a local store, it could be
1: a community, a friend, a bit of old New York. Something that's gone, that we want to remember. This is sort of like an obituary. And this is our
0: obituary for Lord & Taylor's famed Fifth Avenue store, which happened to be a favorite of mine and so many other women.
1: The Fifth Avenue store was a shopping experience for almost 200 years in Manhattan. And throughout its history, this
0: experience was evocative of a very different time. Today, people are lost in their cell phones or photographing their salads for Instagram. This was a time when shopping brought everyone out of the house. The Lord and Taylor experience even included uniformed doormen.
1: That is a really nice touch. And
0: there was a piano player inside the main entrance.
1: Remember those holiday windows? They were fabulous. They would take an entire year to design and build. Crowds lined up to see those animated displays with lots of holiday music. People came from all over the world just to see them. There were lines around the block. Lord & Taylor was the first to create these displays for entertainment, not just to sell merchandise. They were really beautiful with lights and colors and changed the entire look of Fifth Avenue. At the end, the display was reduced to two Sad, stuffed geese, sitting in the window, facing south. They were pretty sad-looking. At one time,
0: greeters sat inside of an information booth, and they met you as you swung through the revolving doors. You were made to feel that you were part of a shopping
1: experience. Fitting rooms had call buttons. Floors and brass fixtures just gleamed. You were in this place, a shrine to the shopper. You really felt like you mattered. Lord & Taylor has been in business for close to 200 years,
0: but the doors of its exquisite 5th Avenue home close for good on Wednesday, January 2nd, 2019 at 3 o'clock.
1: Who thought so many New Yorkers would get so emotional about a department store? Well, I did. Sheila, a loyal shopper from the Upper East Side, arrived at the store early one Saturday shortly after the official closing date was announced.
2: Oh, I was hysterical when I walked in the store. I saw the final sales in the window. I took pictures of it. The tears were rolling down my eyes.
1: It was just very traumatic. Longtime shopper Janice from Queens feels the same way. When I first found out Lord & Teller
3: was closing, I thought it was a joke. I said, no way. No, this is not true. I'm still very sad. I feel sad about Lord & Taylor because losing Lord & Taylor is just taking away
4: a part of New York that was
0: very special. Sadly, the retail economy for department stores is pretty fragile these days. The Lord & Taylor's Fifth Avenue store wasn't the first to succumb. Retail has evolved from pushcarts to online shopping as the retail business adapts and shifts. So many places where we shopped or our mothers or grandmothers shopped are gone for good. Hi, we're here with Sheila, who has been a Lord & Taylor shopper for how long? Uh, 70 years. 70? And how many generations have shopped
2: here? my
1: great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, me, my daughter, and my grandchildren, six. Lord & Taylor opened its stores on Fifth Avenue in Midtown Manhattan on February 24, 1914. It had moved up from Sixth Avenue and 20th Street, following in the footsteps of more elegant shoppers who were also moving uptown. Lord & Taylor is such
0: a New York City institution and it represents so many memories for people who
1: shopped or worked there. Now, it's gone. What a history! The Lord & Taylor story began in March of 1826 in a small shop on 47 Catherine Street near the East River waterfront, making it the oldest department store in the United States. Believe this, at the time, John Quincy Adams was our sixth president. The store was founded by a Brit, Samuel Lord. He married Mary Taylor, whose father owned the factory where he worked in England. With a family loan of $1,000, which was a huge sum back then, the couple emigrated to New York City. Lord and his wife's cousin, George Washington Taylor, opened the very first Lord and Taylor selling women's clothing, silk stockings, cashmere, and other fabrics fresh from the merchant ships stocked nearby in lower Manhattan.
0: To give you some context in the history of New York City, the Brooklyn Bridge hadn't even been built yet. There was a ferry that ran along the East River and it transported people from Brooklyn and Long Island and other parts of the city. That neighborhood around Catherine Street at that time was a vibrant marketplace and fashion district.
1: According to Lord & Taylor history, a woman by the name of Anne Fernover Price was its first customer. She walked by the shop, which was still under construction, and she must have been curious. According to this history, Samuel Lord put down his hammer to wait on her. She purchased a bolt of
0: fabric. Lord & Taylor was different, and it was different because it was a store in an actual building. At that time, the heart of the retail business was in Lower Manhattan, But peddlers and pushcarts sold most of the merchandise. There were pullers, and these pullers would literally drag shoppers to the merchandise. But in the Catherine Street store, there was a policy, and this is a quote from Lord and Taylor's very own Centennial Booklet, written in 1927,
1: of winning customers by satisfying their desires, rather than inducing them to buy what was on the nearest shelf. This philosophy has lasted until the Fifth Avenue store, as we knew it, closed its doors. Shopping was a personal experience catering to women, but women didn't carry money and there was no such thing as credit cards. Bills were sent home to the husbands, or I guess to the fathers as well. The retail
0: center of Manhattan moved and Lord and Taylor moved along with it. From Catherine Street, the store expanded to Grand and Christie Streets, and then in 1870 moved to the fashionable Ladies Mile, and this time on Broadway and 20th Street. 10,000 customers rode its elevators, a novelty at the time, in the store's first three days. Ladies Mile was an upscale retail destination back in the mid-1800s, and it was home to many department stores and retailers. That included Tiffany's, B. Altman's, and Arnold Constable. That area was considered safe, and that meant that women could shop without men.
1: New York City is always changing. The retail landscape shifted again and packed up and moved to Midtown in the 1920s when the older neighborhood became less upscale. Today, Lord & Taylor is owned by the Hudson's Bay Company, which was founded in 1670 by trading furs and wool blankets throughout most of North America.
0: The company is named, of course, after the explorer Henry Hudson, who discovered the island of Manhattan. Demographics of department store shoppers have changed quite a bit since then, and they've continued to change over the decades and the last century. Limos and chauffeurs once lingered outside department stores for the sophisticated shopper. Seems like everyone wore a hat back then. Purchases were wrapped or boxed out of sight and transported by dumbwaiters back to the sales counter or they were delivered home. Women dressed up to go shopping.
1: Lord & Taylor's Fifth Avenue store in the early days was a city unto itself for its employees. There was a doctor and a dentist for workers, a smoking room, a concert hall, and sports equipment on the roof. Boys and girls served as messengers cafeterias were divided by gender. And back in 1928, the store exhibited paintings
0: by Pablo Picasso and George Brock. That was a first. New Yorkers worked at Lord & Taylor for decades. Salespeople were experts on merchandise and clothing lines, and they were as loyal and stylish as their customers.
1: In contrast, the shopping experience has morphed into people hunched over computers and cell phones, with mail carriers delivering boxes of clothing and other items ordered from Amazon and QVC.
0: The decline and later death of Lord & Taylor's Fifth Avenue store was shocking to so many. We always thought there would be a Lord & Taylor in Manhattan, but department stores are under such enormous pressure to attract customers. Fashions change, tastes and styles change, the way we shop has changed, and real estate has changed. Our dearly departed.
1: Gimbal's. Gimbal's opened in 1910 in New York City, a block south from Macy's, and closed in 1986. It was the first store to have a bargain basement, and it came way before discount retailers like Marshall's and TJ Maxx. Gimbal's clientele was more middle class than its rival Macy's, which outlasted it. Now, here are two fun facts. Gimbal sold the country's first ballpoint pen in 1945, and today, a faded Gimbal sign on its old building can be seen from Macy's offices above Penn Station. I didn't know that. Arnold Constable. When I was growing up, my best friend Susan shopped at Arnold Constable, which catered to affluent women with conservative tastes. Sue made annual trips for Easter and Christmas clothes. The store closed in 1975 after 150 years, with 50 of those years on 5th Avenue. Like Lord & Taylor, it had moved uptown from Ladies Mile. Arnold Constable's final location was 5th Avenue and 40th Street, just a couple of blocks up from Lord & Taylor.
0: Alexander's. Everyone shopped at Alexander's on Fordham Road in the Bronx. Its clientele was working-class New Yorkers and recent immigrants, including my own family from Greece. I remember shopping there with my grandmother, who lived just a few blocks away. The store was packed with inexpensive and no-frills merchandise and shoppers.
1: However, Alexander's pushed my grandparents out of business. They owned Mendy's Specialty Shop, which was across the street, and sold bras and girdles. They couldn't compete. To this day, you don't see many of these specialty shops.
0: Alexander's closed its doors in 1992 after filing for bankruptcy.
1: The death knell of the department store in New York City goes on.
0: B. Altman's.
1: S. Klein's. May's. Bonwit Teller. Corvette's. Orbach's. Abraham and Strauss.
0: Lord and Taylor outlasted them all.
1: Generations of women shopped at Lord and Taylor. It was always about the personal experience. Going way back, Mary Todd Lincoln, President Lincoln's wife, shopped at Lord and Taylor. So did the late Princess Margaret. And it's rumored that Jackie Kennedy Onassis did.
0: I'm not sure about that. She was more of a Bonwit Taylor customer, but... A photograph of Jackie O's sister Lee Radziwill with Andy Warhol hung in the store perhaps to capitalize on her style.
1: Lord and Taylor attracted middle-class women who aspired to be upper-class and well-heeled career women. Bergdorf's and Bloomingdale's on the other hand catered to a wealthier clientele.
0: But more than selling clothes, Lord and Taylor sold an image. Elegant, sophisticated, and timeless fashions were advertised in black and white sketches for newspapers and magazines. Even when other stores were turning to high fashion photography, Lord and Taylor held onto those easily recognizable sketches of women with elongated forms. The modern woman on the go, very Mary Tyler moore
1: Looking back at those old ads, their market was ladies who lunched, but, but didn't, didn't eat.
0: Well, maybe sometimes. The Lord & Taylor signature and red American beauty rose had been iconic symbols of the store since 1946. Carrying your purchases in boxes or bags with the Lord & Taylor name, the tagline, the signature of American style, and the red rose made you feel special.
1: The handwritten logo, the rose, all spoke of sophistication, elegance, and classic style. Clothing was about pattern, color, and tailoring. Ads sold
0: Christian Dior gloves, chic separates worn by impossibly thin women, and as one ad said,
1: Choice Divine for the Gilded Life, Eleanor Simmons, a 1960 brocade tunic, $145.00.
0: That's probably thousands in today's dollars. Interestingly enough, men were always sketched with a woman because she was the one who shopped or she was the one who made the decisions. Ads of the 1920s sold wicker furniture and silk stockings and later on, holiday ornaments, clothes by Anne Klein, Calvin Klein, Bill Blass. One ad read,
1: Our Halston silk chiffon sparkles like champagne.
0: The shopper was always first when it came to customer service. You don't see that in many places these days. Women of all backgrounds shopped there. If you were a churchgoer, you shopped on Saturdays. If you were an Orthodox Jewish woman, you shopped on Sundays. Working women shopped on their lunch hour or after work. And everyone dressed up with hats and handbags. From those first days back on Catherine Street, staff was trained how to behave and how to best serve the customer. An editorial announcement from Lord & Taylor's centennial year spoke to this.
1: We try to select men and women for integrity, intelligence, and industry, truth and service, beauty in merchandise.
0: No yakking on
1: the cell phone for them. You're listening to Pastrami, Agogo, and other Rye tales of New York with your hosts, Arlene Schulman and Judy Schoolman. We're talking about Lord & Taylor's flagship store, which
0: closed after almost 200 years in Manhattan.
1: When you walked into Lord & Taylor, you walked into a fantasy. Beautiful, glamorous, sparkling displays, elegant chandeliers lit the store. The building was an architectural marvel of Italian Renaissance style. The outside was built with Botticino marble and travertine stone. Vaulted ceilings were covered in Gustavino tile. Expensive Wilton carpets covered the floor. The store was also fireproof, which in 1914 was a huge deal. It was just three years after the horror of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. The Lord & Taylor building was named a New York City landmark in 2007.
0: Now, Lord & Taylor was the antithesis of bargain basement shopping. You didn't fight for the merchandise. There were ten floors with aisles wide enough for a bicycle race and plenty of room to breathe. Clothes weren't just for sale. They were on display, but you could buy them gifts, clothing, and shoes were arranged so that if you needed something you could find it or the salesperson would go into the back and bring it to you
1: or order it for you. There was room to move around the racks. The store made you feel that you were in a gracious environment, something very old-fashioned. You weren't bombarded with a lot of noise or loud music. It was calm and relaxing, very unlike Macy's in Herald Square.
0: (laughs) In Macy's, if you die on the first floor, someone wouldn't find you until the clearance sale was over.
1: Oh, I can believe that. For Sheila, our loyal customer, shopping at Lord & Taylor was about family, fashion, and memories. I think think of my family,
2: you know, and, and all the good times I had shopping, especially with my mom. She was a champion shopper. I mean, she was just... She could start, we didn't, she could start in Macy's, we'd meet her in Lord & Taylor and work our way up to Saks,
1: you know and knock us all out for Janice as well
2: well the Lord &
4: Taylor experience for me was that I could find
3: anything that I particularly wanted it was welcoming that was my experience about about Lord & Taylor it was always very welcoming from the time you walked in the front door to the time you left
1: And hands down, Lord & Taylor was the department store with the greatest impact on fashion.
0: David Moyne, who has covered retail for Women's Wear Daily for 34 years, talks about that impact.
3: Lord & Taylor did have an impact on fashion. And it goes back to Dorothy Shaver, who I believe uh, became uh, CEO in the 40s, and the first female head of a major store. And you know, to this day, there are very few women running major retail corporations. But Dorothy Shaver was a pioneer, and she did bring a high level of fashion to the business back in the '40s. And I think she was she ran the business for roughly ten years or so. I don't know if when went left, mm-hmm. died. I think she died in nineteen fifty-nine.
0: At a time when Parisian couture dominated the fashion business, Dorothy Shaver spotlighted American designers who were innovators of their time, particularly when it came to sportswear.
1: Dorothy Shaver brought in Bonnie Cashin, who designed for Coach. Cashin pioneered the concept of layering and added toggle closures for Coats and handbags. And Claire McArdle, she was
0: another innovator when it came to sportswear. She influenced designers like Isaac Mizrahi, Donna Karan, Norma Kamali, and Cynthia Rowley.
1: Dorothy Shaver also brought in Vera Maxwell, who was the first designer to use ultra suede. Maxwell designed for sizes from 8 to 18, which was really unusual at the time. And Dorothy Shaver pioneered the shops within a store
0: concept, and she divided Lord and Taylor's floors into specialty areas. For short women, like us, she was the first to set aside petite sizes in the 5/4 shop.
1: Not only petites, but plus sizes, juniors, bridles, and even maternity fashions. Lord and Taylor had a loungewear section and a glamour and glitter department. It even had a dog boutique which sold winter coats for dogs, some lined in mink. Lord & Taylor's buyers purchased unique gifts from around the world. Dorothy Shaver left a legacy of style. David Moyne of Women's Wear Daily.
3: Her legacy, I do agree with what you're saying, she like Claire McCardell and others, but I think her legacy was that the tradition was sustained after she left when there were subsequent CEOs running the store. For example, Joseph Brooks who was also a very good executive. He furthered Gordon Taylor's reputation for being for having great fashion and having uh, being distinctive. He would further the, the sense of elegance of the store. He actually uh, um, supported this, this uh, annual event called the Rose Award, uh, named after the American Rose, which became a symbol of Gordon Taylor. And they have these black tie elegant events giving out fashion awards once a year at the store. Those kind of black tie events you just don't see anymore at, at retail. You know, those days of where they can spend big and have big parties. Just not happening anymore. Along well, with Dorothy Shaver, they have a pretty good track record of putting women in the top spot. Starting in two thousand, they've had three women presidents running the business. That would be the Jane Elfers, and then there was Liz Bell. Currently, the business is being run by Vanessa Lefebvre. So that that I think is unique in the retail industry to have a handful of women, you know, at the helm.
0: Walking it into Lord and Taylor, a woman could be outfitted from head to toe shoes, handbags, jewelry, fashionable suits, sportswear, from the drapey designs of Eileen Fisher to Diane von Fursterberg's iconic wrap dresses.
1: Your own personal shopper would help you find that perfect bill blast suit. You could have your hair done and grab something to eat. Judy, what do
0: you remember about Lord & Taylor? Did you
1: shop there? I was a girl from the suburbs. We shopped at A S and in Hempstead. Coming into the city was a special event. My mother and I didn't shop at Lord & Taylor. There was something not entirely comfortable to us. My mother felt it was too snooty, maybe too Christmassy, but realistically it was also too expensive. But Lord & Taylor had the soup bar. It had been around since 1938. I remember this portly, somewhat gruff man named William Palmer, who was quite a celebrity. He cooked the soup and doled it out with large ladle. And there was only one offering, scotch broth in the winter and vichyssoise in the summer. That was it, and everyone knew it. Well, what about dessert? That's my favorite. There was also one choice for dessert, the fabulous apple brown Betty with some sort of boozy sauce. It was divine. Mr. Palmer was also part of the appeal. What about you? Well, for my
0: family, coming from Brooklyn to Manhattan was quite an adventure. Lord & Taylor was a store where my mother shopped for clothing for special occasions. With three kids, it became a day-long affair. We always had lunch at the restaurant called The Birdcage, which had a humongous birdcage. It was located on the fifth floor where the fashionable women had lunch. It was genteel and dainty with armchairs and tray tables. My mother would park us there, and one by one, we visited the children's department for our first day of school and holiday outfits.
1: That sounds fantastic. What was on the
0: birdcage menu? Well, the birdcage was more of a tea room. Um, the menu had tuna fish, when people still called it tuna fish, and not just tuna, and liverwurst and romaine on rye. <laughs> My favorite, though, was a toasted double-decker club sandwich. You know, I went online fairly recently, and I found an old menu, and it listed oven-baked beans with hot dog chunks. This sounds, I have to tell you, this sounds more like a dish served around the campfire
1: than to stylish women carrying money, cash and handbags, but it was on the menu. The Birdcage opened in the 1930s and closed in the 1980s. The soup bar closed, I think, also in the 1980s.
0: Thinking back, my first bra was from Lord & Taylor. A kindly woman took my measurements and assured me that, yes, you will get there. My sixth grade graduation present from my parents was a gold charm bracelet from the store. I still have it. And when I was looking for a job after college, I set myself up by the payphones in the store with a large coin purse and ads clipped from the New York Times. Later on, when I became a career woman... A personal shopper coaxed me into a Catherine Hepburn-ish ensemble and a couple of custom-fitted suits. I returned many, many times since then to buy clothes, clinique,
1: coats, shoes, and gifts from every department. I don't think I ever bought anything at Lord & Taylor until I was an adult. The store had clothes for work and a huge selection of petites, but mostly I shopped at the discount designer stores on Orchard Street, before they disappeared, too. Lord & Taylor wasn't my kind of place, but I did shop there every so often for the sales. My most memorable haul was a particular shoe sale more than 20 years ago, when the most elegant Ferragamo shoes were discounted. The original price was exorbitant, but with discounts, two pairs combined cost me less than $100. I still have them. I really should wear them. You should. They are museum pieces. Also, Lord & Taylor was the only place except for the Lower East Side back in the day to buy cashmere sweaters. Now you can get them just about anywhere. They were known for their dresses as well and they had the best selection in town. I would agree.
0: But Lord & Taylor began to decline in the 1980s and the store struggled to find an identity. The Fifth Avenue store always held on to a steady base of older shoppers, but they were more of our mother's age. Some moved away, others died, and others shopped online along with the millennials. The store attempted to attract a younger crowd. It changed the red rose to the orangey-pink free spirit rose. It brought in designers like Betsy Johnson, Karl Lagerfeld, and Calvin Klein, and threw launch parties with DJs on the rooftop. The store even sponsored Project Runway and hosted events with local sports stars. Solange Knowles and Kim Kardashian made appearances, and Whoopi Goldberg collaborated with the store for a line of ugly Christmas sweaters. But it wasn't enough. Retail is such a tough business. You have to re-energize and reinvent for the younger crowd while not alienating the all-important older base.
1: Here's David Moyne of Women's Wear Daily. I did try
3: to extend the appeal to a younger generation, Lord & Taylor did that, but I think it was too little, too late. It never overcame its reputation for being your grandma's store.
0: The store became less exclusive and less crowded when fashions became more casual and other stores carried the exact same merchandise as Lord & Taylor. Every so often, though, you would spot the immaculately dressed woman, a throwback to the old days, carrying a handbag, but she was outnumbered by the masses, wearing jeans and sneakers, and in some cases, sweatpants. And on what should have been the busiest shopping days, floors would be
4: empty. It
1: Janice of Queens.
4: Queens. It, it was empty. It was just like no shoppers. It was so sad. You're like, well, where are the people? It was really, um, it was desolate. I don't know what was happening, but that was very Thursday.
0: Lauren and Taylor's Fifth Avenue store became so empty that I could hear my footsteps. Now, on the upside, shopping became a communal experience where you bonded with the saleswomen and your fellow shoppers in the dressing rooms. You could always ask someone for advice, unlike Macy's, where people shop in packs and move quickly, and Saks, where people kind of look at you strangely.
1: How do you think this looks? Oh, darling, not for you. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to
0: Pastramia Gogo and other Rye Tales of New York with host Arlene Schulman and Judy
1: Schoolman. You know, in its heyday on Fifth Avenue, Lord & Taylor served coffee and juice in fine china cups to shoppers who arrived before the store opened in the mornings. No one did that. For Sheila, there was no other store like Lord & Taylor. What makes a Lord & Taylor
2: shopping experience so different from any other I think the camaraderie first of all the um, the help was phenomenal you know when you get to know them and actually here I'm saying goodbye to them and very few are still working in the store I've noticed and uh, it has fond memories you know of shopping for from my graduation to my children's to their showers to their engagement to their weddings and my grandchildren when they were born, all their layups came from Lord and Taylor and, and their clothing and, uh, and now I'm buying them stuff. They're away in college and going to college and it, it's very sad. I find it a very um, traumatic experience saying goodbye because I think I'm not coming back after today. Why? I feel I want to remind, remember the store as it was. For example, I went up to the 10th floor, to the men's department, and it was just completely chaotic. It was everything from every floor up there. So I said,
1: this is it. This is going to be my last time. On a Saturday during its final days, we wait for the store to open. The coffee and juice and red velvet ropes are long gone, but there are folding chairs for the early birds to sit on before it opens. A recording of the Star-Spangled Banner plays throughout the store, as it has since 1980 in response to the Iran hostage crisis. We stand, you know, everyone stands, salespeople, security, and shoppers. And then the store opens for business again.
0: In October twenty seventeen, Hutchins Bay Company announced that it had sold the Lord and Taylor Fifth Avenue building to WeWork for eight hundred and fifty million dollars. They would be closing the store. A mournful wail and cries of disbelief rose among its longtime shoppers and salespeople. We were told of one longtime saleswoman who fell to the floor sobbing. It had been her life for almost fifty years. It was like losing an old friend, someone you thought would be around forever.
1: Sadly, Lord & Taylor's real estate became more valuable than its sales. The Lord & Taylor building will still be here, though. WeWork, the largest holder of office space in Manhattan, plans on restoring and preserving the exterior of the building. Lord & Taylor's 10 shopping floors will be rebuilt as office space and WeWork's global headquarters.
0: David Moyne of Women's Wear Daily told us late last year. They
3: made the determination that the Fifth Avenue store would close earlier this year, but I was not at all surprised because there had been rumors and people su- suggesting that this was going to be the fate of the store. Moreover, it was not a surprise because the store for many years had not been doing very good business. It was not getting many people there. The volume was well below the other big flagship department stores in the city, and it was losing its relevance. So when they made the announcement, it was not at all surprising to me.
0: For Max Herman, the closing
4: of the store is very personal. Samuel Lord was my grandmother's grandfather. My grandmother's name was Catherine Lord, was her maiden name. I was able to talk with my mom in a little bit more detail last night. Her memory kind of fades in and out. And she told me that she used to, as a child, her mother used to take her to shop there and, and she would go to the juniors section. She also remembered the jewelry counters on the first floor and how they would eat at the occasionally at the restaurant at the beehive. So that was about all she remembered, unfortunately. But she definitely had fond memories of going there as a child with her mother and shopping. When I heard the store was closing I, I felt a kind of a deep sense of sadness. Um, I'm not really connected to the to the company that owns the store and just to hear that the store was closing was a real shock and so I, I would say first shock and then, then sadness almost like a death in the family. But the idea that this that Samuel Lord took this small, you know, basically five-and-dime store and turned it into, a, into this wonderful department store, yeah, I take a lot of pride in that.
0: Their buildings may still
1: stand, but the department stores are gone. Arnold Constable was replaced by the Mid-Manhattan branch of the New York Public Library. B. Altman's is now home to the City University of New York's Graduate Center, and to the New York Public Library's Science, Industry, and Business Library.
0: The first location of Lord & Taylor on Catherine Street is now a Chinese bodega. The Lord & Taylor store once on Ladies Mile is now home to Brooks Brothers, which, interestingly enough, is the oldest men's store in the United States. It was founded in 1818, just down the block from Lord & Taylor's Catherine Street store.
1: What do you think went wrong? A lot went
3: wrong with Lord & Taylor, but I can tell you what was not the issue was online. A lot of retail, the the demise of a lot of retail is blamed on the Internet. People shopping online versus going to the stores, but that really wasn't what hurt Lord & Taylor. This was a company hurt by a series of ownership changes, strategic changes, and management changes, and it just didn't keep up with the times became part of big retail conglomerates that just sort of melded its merchandising with other stores into Lord & Taylor. And Lord & Taylor lost its distinction. It is sad for a
4: lot of people, because a lot of people love the store.
0: Speaking of work, the closing of Lord & Taylor affected about 800 people. Salespeople, personal
1: shoppers, seamstresses and tailors, stock people, window designers, maintenance crews, advertising managers and window cleaners,
0: fashion designers and restaurant personnel,
1: messengers and managers. And
0: at the very end when the store was under liquidation, which is never a pretty sight, long-time customers shunned it as if to avoid someone with a contagious illness. It was too much to bear. As one woman said, it was like TJ Maxx in Beirut. Joanne, in town from Cleveland, shopped on one of its last days.
1: I think it's very depressing. What do you mean by that? To see this beautiful store turned into a clearance rack. It's upsetting. The inside of the store
0: was cannibalized clothing was everywhere shoppers fought with each other for insanely discounted items salespeople were eating behind the counter they were shouting at each other people grabbing clothing off the racks who never knew what the lord and Taylor name experience really meant some of the last items to go were ivanka trump dresses and jewelry until these two became a bargain too good to pass up one customer happened to be a man, was so upset at the closing, as one salesperson told me, that he trashed a dressing room. A week or two before the Fifth Avenue store closed for good, floors were empty. They were stripped of merchandise with only empty shelves and clothing racks remaining. It no longer had style, personality, perfume, and it was a long and sad escalator ride up to the 10th floor, Where mannequins waited for new homes, office chairs, fake snow and trees from holiday windows, store fixtures including the red velvet ropes, even ladders and lights, an old calculator and sewing machine were for sale. One longtime saleswoman shook my hand and almost didn't let go because once she let go of me, the store would go too.
1: Its final resting place is now on the internet. The store is partnering with Walmart to sell its merchandise, believe it or not, Walmart. Walmart wants to become a fashion destination, but the two seem diametrically opposed in terms of class and style. David Moyne of Women's Wear Daily follows the retail business.
3: Earlier this year, Walmart and Lord & Taylor entered into a partnership where there would be a Lord & Taylor store on the Walmart website. It does seem like strange strange bedfellows, but you have to understand point of view from both uh, companies. Walmart wants to raise its fashion image. They've been trying to do that. And Lord & Taylor wants to broaden its online business. So there's a logic to this partnership. Still at the early stages, and Martin Taylor says very little bit about how successful it is so far. So you know, time will tell, and we'll see if they is it a win-win situation or not.
0: You know, retail is always changing. But now you can find vintage Lord & Taylor, when the label really meant something, on eBay and Etsy. The last cotton handkerchief was sold years ago. The sophisticated elegance
1: and personal experience are all gone now. Where do people go? Some of Lord & Taylor's wonderfully trained salespeople transferred to Saks, which is also owned by Hudson's Bay. Some are hoping to land at the Neiman Marcus and Nordstrom stores slated to open in Manhattan this year. Others retired. The elegant lamps hanging on the main floor were taken down and sold for $1,000 each. Clothing racks and mannequins were sold to other stores and businesses. The birdcage from the restaurant was sold to a collector in Texas. It's all gone.
0: But as we mourn and lament its passing, Women's Wear Daily journalist David Moyne predicts a renaissance or reincarnation, if you will, of the retail business in New York City
4: the closing
3: of Lord & Taylor is one part of a big story in New York City about department stores that's happening right now. In addition to the the sad closing of Lord & Taylor, as well as the closing of the Saxon Avenue store in Lower Manhattan, you're getting two major openings next year. You're getting Neiman Marcus and Hudson Yard, and you're getting the Nordstrom Women's flagship on 57th Street. And those are both big deals. On top of that, you're getting the renovation of Fifth Avenue coming to uh, a completion with the reopening of the new main floor. That's going to be a big deal. And then you're also seeing a lot of renovation work coming to a conclusion at Bloomingdale's on 59th Street. So there's a ton of stuff going on in the retail world, particularly with department stores in Manhattan. So I would say we're in for like a seismic shift in the, in the department store landscape.
0: And it's sad that Lord & Taylor is not part of it.
3: Yeah, it's sad, but you know things change and people get over it pretty
0: quickly. Lord & Taylor's Fifth Avenue store rang up its last sale on Wednesday, January 2, 2019 at 3 p.m.
1: Sale signs were taken down from windows. The geese in the very sad attempt at a holiday window have flown. The only thing remaining is the iconic signature on the building, reminding us of what once was. On that last
0: day, the Star-Spangled Banner was sung by an opera singer, a special performance for employees only. During its final moments, Lord & Taylor employees and shoppers took photographs of the gold clock striking three. Then came tears and hugs and goodbyes. Salespeople applauded the last customers to leave. And then, after 193 short years in New York City and 104 years on Fifth Avenue, the final customer swung through its revolving doors for the last time. Ladies
4: and gentlemen, the time is now 3 p.m and your 5th Avenue Lord & Taylor store is officially closed. Please proceed to a checkout location of your choice, where one of our many friendly Lord Taylor associates will be happy to check you out expeditiously. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we want to say thank you for 104 years of support and patronage at this location. Travel safely Have a Great New Year, and once again remember this fantastic store called
1: Lord and Tater. I guess that's it. Two weeks later, and here we are at Saks. What do you think? Are we over it yet?
2: No,
0: not really. Thank you for listening. this is Arlene Schulman. Stay tuned for another episode of Pastramia Gogo and other Rye tales of New York
1: and I'm Judy Schoolman. follow us on Facebook Pastramia Gogo.